1: We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is the life. It still gives us the life.
0: Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God.
2: Welcome to Real Presence Live this Wednesday morning. I'm Roxanne Sollin, your host, and privileged to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. I want to read a little bit from the Magnificat, which to me is the gift that keeps on giving. I just love its reflections. And this morning's reflection was from St. Augustine, and I'm just going to read part of it. So why are you sad, my soul, and why do you disturb me? Have you faltered and failed in yourself? Hope in the Lord. Are you troubled in yourself? Hope in the Lord, who chose you from the foundation of the world, who predestined you, who called you, who justified you. When you were ungodly, who promised you everlasting glorification, who for your sake endured a death he did not owe, who for your sake shed his blood, who transposed you into himself. You belong to him. And you're afraid? And is the world going to do you any harm at all? You for whom he died? He through whom the world was made? Stand firm against these perturbed feelings. Do not give in to the love of this age, it sets its traps. You must never trust it. You must hold on to Christ. I love that it was Saint Augustine because I have a a little announcement to make uh, about a book that I mentioned the last time I was on. Um, I've written a book with Patty Armstrong from Bismarck called "What Would Monica Do?" and it's it's really tailored for those who've had the pain of watching a loved one walk away from the faith and. Just today, it went live for pre-order, so I'm really excited to, to let you know about that. Ascensionpress.com slash Monica will get you to that page, and I hope that you will consider ordering it. If you don't have that situation, possibly hand it on to someone who does, because it is a, uh, an issue right now that we're dealing with pervasively in our culture, and it is, a, it is a sorrow that many of us carry in our hearts. And above all, though, our aim is to give hope to travel with St. Monica into, into a world of hope, and she persevered in prayer. She kept her eyes on God and the the Blessed Mother, and in the end, it all came around and God blessed her with the conversion of her son. So, uh, thank you for letting me mention that this morning. I hope you are blessed with it. I would love to hear from you if you have a chance to order it and read it, and uh with that, I want to turn now to our first guest, Father Lawrence Daniel Carney. Welcome, Father Lawrence. Well,
1: thank you so much, Roxanne, for allowing me to be on your show.
2: Absolutely, and we're celebrating St. Lawrence today, so it seems appropriate that we're having you on.
1: <laughs> yes, that's right. He was hilarious. He said, "Turn me over. I'm not done." And he also said, "I am meat ready to eat." So he was definitely experiencing joy through his martyrdom.
2: I don't know that I would be that joyful in in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, but isn't he definitely is one that we tend to remember because it's so out of out of our comprehension? But it it, it tells you of his deep commitment to Christ and also his alignment with his his suffering, knowing that this wasn't going to be the end for, for him, that, that there was a glorious eternal life w- awaiting for him. So it, it's an inspiration to us all, even if we can't imagine being in that situation.
1: Yeah, and he still works today. His relics have had so many miracles. For example, when I was a deacon here in Wichita, Kansas, the cathedral, I gave communion on his feast day to my grandfather, and it was his last, communion he passed away that evening so i was a deacon and my name's lawrence and i gave my grandpa holy viaticum not knowing that he would pass away <sighs> on his feast day.
2: wow what was his Bill name his name was
1: nicholas cavelli
2: mm, beautiful that must have been a, a, a holy moment for you and a priv- privilege for him as well how beautiful well um Now we know a little bit about you. We know you're from Wichita. Uh, So tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah, I was born and raised here in Wichita, and I went to the St. Joseph Church, which is close to the downtown. I attended Catholic schools all the way through the middle of college, then I went to KU, and I worked for three years but I'd been running away from the priesthood since I was six years old. And -hmm. at the age of 25, I went into my kindergarten classroom, which had been changed to an adoration chapel, and there was the Holy Eucharist um, being exposed at the very place where the priest who inspired me to become a priest, his face was. So I stopped running, I joined the seminary, and five and a half years later, I became a priest and was ordained for the Diocese of Wichita uh, in 2007. Then I was a pastor, an associate pastor for six years. Then I left the diocese and went on a pilgrimage in Europe on the Camino, and God told me what to do then. And I became a chaplain for the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, a traditional community. And while I was their chaplain, I began to walk the streets of Saint Joseph, Missouri, for five years, and I moved back to Wichita after eight years of being away. And the nuns are are here. I'm making retreat, and the bishop has me walk in the streets of Wichita, Kansas. So that's where I'm at today.
2: Uh, walking the streets. Tell me more about that. Is it? What do you do when you're? I, I mean, it, this, the striking presence of a, of a priest in the public eye is is so beautiful. Is is that what you're doing, just being a presence and talking to people, or what is that all about?
1: Exactly. I wear a white cassock during the summer because of the heat, and it's got black buttons to show that I'm just a, a lowly priest and not a Monsignor senior or a bishop. And then I just pray to God and walk around the city with my rosary and doing my breviary. And then when people come and talk to me, They so, quote-unquote, interrupt my contemplation, and I share what I'm contemplating, which is God and the saints. I share that with them, because if we have a constant conversation with God, then heaven begins to dwell within us before we actually get there. Please, God, we do get there, but when someone has a constant conversation with himself, like an egomaniac dwells, you know, hell dwells within him. So I like to share the the flowers, and the joys of heaven with people. And you can only do that when you start with contemplation of God, and then you can become active. Uh, Sometimes people have the other way around, but all good things that ever started in the church started with contemplation. And so that's what I do in the street. And over time, I make relationships with people and do prayers for them, and it's very exciting because it's all based upon a thing called divine providence. God Mm. makes the meeting happen in His timing.
2: That's so exciting to start each day wondering how God's going to bless you and bless those that you come into contact with. And it's beautiful that you're free to do that because most priests are are busy in their parishes or or whatever, but um, it's it's such a beautiful thing to think about you just being open to, to God's will every day and Wow. I'm sure you have so many stories, which I would love to talk about, but I also want to talk about your book. You've you've authored a few books, including The Holy Face Devotion. Well, The Secret of the Holy Face is is what the book is called. So, obviously, you're talking about contemplation. How did you come to write this book, and tell us about it?
1: Sure. So, when I became the chaplain, at the beginning, the prior is, I asked her, what should I write about? Because I was writing some newsletters, and she said, write about the Holy Faith. So she doesn't talk to me very much, maybe a few sentences a year, because they live a, a life of cloister and they're very quiet. But when she does speak, it's very profound. Her name is Sister Scholastica. Mm. So I began to read about the devotion, and I saw that November 11th, which is my birthday, East St. Martin, who's one of the three patrons of the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Faith, really drew me in deeper. And then I started to see, wait a minute, this devotion to the Holy Faith is very under And there's, it just needs to be known, because it's a blueprint to help us to get out from underneath the communist Freemason slavery that seems to be impending in our future. And it's so beautiful that I've gotten people to pray this devotion, and one of the members helped talk to Tan Publishers, and and she asked them if they would like me to write a book. So Tan contacted me and asked me to write a book on the devotion to the Holy State. So that's how this book came into existence.
2: Beautiful. Um, and, you know, I think we've forgotten God in our culture right now, and we're such a visual culture also right and so I think that visual of Jesus as our Savior's face before us um, it's so powerful but but maybe we we forget its power. I know there's a there's an effort um, through the arch confraternity of the Holy face to get a million people to enroll uh, how, what what is your involvement in that effort
1: yeah the arch confraternities and confraternities of the Church are pious associations that have been erected by popes to be in existence in perpetuity until the end of the world. And so when we enroll in these confraternities of the Rosary, arch of the Holy Faith, we share with all the members in a spiritual way, and we also receive uh, the ability to enjoy the indulgences in them. So the arch of the Holy Face was started in 1885 by Pope Leo XIII. And it's my desire, and that's why I wrote this book, is to have about a million people enrolled because we need some people to become archers. You know, there's a prayer called the Golden Arrow Prayer, which many people know in the Pieta book, the little blue book, that's a lot of beautiful prayers. The prayer of the Golden Arrow speaks about giving honor and glory to the holy name of God. And this prayer was written by Sister Mary de Saint Pierre, a Carmelite in the 1840s that received inspirations from our Lord Jesus about this devotion. And the Archbishop of Holy Face is basically derived from her um, inspirations when she was in Carmel in Tours. And so we, who pray this golden arrow prayer, it's like an arrow being shot into heaven, into the heart of God. And this opens up the heart of our Father, and divine graces come out copiously. And in the midst of the battles that we're fighting, Sister was told that communism would be, in the future, a great enemy of the Church. So this devotion is a secret because so few people know about it. But as I've come into it, I've started to realize over time that this devotion is for our time. So that's how I came into this devotion.
2: What are some of the experiences you've had contemplating the holy face of Jesus? What has been revealed to your heart?
1: Very good. So, sister, receive revelation from our Lord and our Lord told her, Oh, that I would that people would take the instruments that were used for my passion, the nails, the cross, the spear, etc., and that these people, these prayer words, would fling them towards the enemy so that the enemies of God would not so much die but they would be converted. So when I say these prayers in the devotion of the Holy Face and there are certain masses that are concerned with the crown of thorns and the spear and the nails, etc. I I really think about these instruments of the Passion being flung out into the demonic world to destroy their plans. So that's very strong, but this is coming from our Lord to, through Sister Mary St. Peter in this devotion.
2: Turning the instruments of death on their head to convert souls, that's... That's beautiful, and again, a powerful visual. There's a connection, and I want to do more about that, talk about that more on the other side of the break, about how the rosary is connected to the devotions of the Holy Face. So we're going to take a short break, but we will be back with Father Lawrence after this little pause.
0: Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network.
2: Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Roxanne Solonen here with you this morning. Privileged to be here. And also we have on the line Father Lawrence Daniel Carney, who has been sharing a little bit about his book, The Secret of the Holy Face. The Devotion Destined to Save Society. It's a book he wrote, um, inspired by a, a, a Carmelite or cloistered nun. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure if it was Carmelite or not, but... Um, what is it? Benedictine. Benedictine. Yeah, that would make sense in Wichita. So, um, And she w- was inspired to inspire him <laughs> to write this book. And so... Uh, now we're going to talk a little bit more about one of the things it's connected to, which is the rosary. Um, somehow it is there's a connection between the two, the rosary and the holy face. Father, can you share about that connection with us?
1: Sure. So, one of my favorite books is called The Secret of the Rosary, written by Saint Louis de Montfort, and Saint Louis de Montfort was one of the most wisest promoters of devotion to Our Lady. He also wrote a book called True Devotion, and that's where people pick up the slavery to Our Lady, where they give everything over to Her. And he came from what is called the French school, uh, like St. John Yoid and Oliere and those people in Paris. They really promoted devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary in a way It was refreshing and old, but also new. And so that influence of the French school to have true devotion to Our Lady is so important, because when we have a true devotion to Our Lady, we go to her first to get to Jesus. And that's just the order of how things happen. Because St. Louis de Montfort said that our, Our Lady is the one who gave us Jesus, so it's through Mary first before we got to her. So the point is, with great devotion to the rosary, it helps us then to come to Jesus in a more humble way, a more sure way, in a quicker way. And that's why devotion to the Holy Rosary is so important for the synergy to be seen in the devotion to the Holy Faith. Those two have to go together. And that's why we promote the, the rosary alongside with the devotion to the Holy Faith. Because I think it's because of praying the rosary in the street that Our Lady has really helped to mold me to approach Jesus in a way that I would not have been able to do otherwise. So she's the mother of our Lord and God and of our Lord Jesus. She knows the best way for us to approach Him. I hope mm. that helps you
2: understand. Yeah, you know, as a mother, I have five kids, and uh, <laughs> I know I, I'm not going to compare my kids' pictures, their school pictures, their senior pictures, to Jesus's holy face, but, you know, we are excited to share images of our kids with others that love them, and, and I can, I'm picturing her trying to make it more, like, relatable here, you know, with a picture of her son, just... Showing people this beautiful face, you know, and, and and wanting the world to know about him because of his mercy that he's wanting to give them. And, of course, the mom is going to lead us there. And so that's so beautiful. And I think very often misunderstood, but we're human. And in our humanness, we need those little helps because we're not God. <laughs> so um, it makes sense that we would draw to her. So that's so beautiful, and it sounds like you have a very uh, close relationship with our Blessed Mother.
1: Oh, yes. I love her so much. She's just, she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit flew to her because she was so humble. She wanted to be hidden by God for her whole life, but God God had His way he always exalts those who are most humble, as we know in the prayer called the Anipikat.
2: Right. I'm imagining you need you, never feel alone when you're out there on the streets, um, you know, with the world all around you. Because I'm sure our Mother is right there with you, and and there's the tenderness there, and um, you, you, we never need to, need to be alone when we have these spiritual helpers with us. So. I, I'm grateful for that, and also it's an encouragement, I think, to others that we, even when we feel lonely, God and his mother and all the saints are, are near us. So how does this devotion work toward reparation, reverence, and reversion in the triumph of the church?
1: Uh, that's a great question. So, you know, our human family, we respond to God as the whole 7 billion people of the world I mean, we cannot just be individuals because God made us to be in society, in union. And God is a union. God is a society, The trinity. So as the 7 billion people of the world continue to become more crass towards God, with blasphemy and breaking the Ten Commandments, then our relationship with God becomes more and more strained. But we need, and God wants to raise up, just take a few of us, people of reparation to repair the relationship between the 7 billion people in the world now and our Lord and God. And, you know, it's not so much a numbers game, but it just takes a few good people, like we know the story of Nineveh and their conversion, Mm -hmm. but in Leviticus. Leviticus, I'm going to quote something from the beginning of my book. Five of you shall pursue a hundred others, and a hundred of you ten thousand. The enemy shall fall before you by the sword. So that's Leviticus 26, verse 8. And what that's showing us is that as more and more people enlist to be on God's side, then an exponential triumph of the enemy. And in this devotion, we don't want the death of the sinner, as I mentioned before, but we want their conversion. That's very important. The mm-hmm. Revelation was given to Sister Mary St. Saint- Pierre. So that's how we... We start having reparation is we say the prayers that were given to her in this great devotion of the Holy Faith. And as more people start to do that, it'll change the tide of the way things are going. But it's contingent on our prayer. And then that leads us to reverence. So if we have a lack of reverence to God in our sanctuaries, you know, just in our everyday life, then God's going to punish us. But if we have a great reverence, he's going to give us a blessing. So reverence, external reverence, like folding our hands and kneeling down, this helps our bodies to to be trained to become internally humble. And when we become more humble, we start to realize reality of how God is everything and we're nothing. Because we were made out of nothing, and God is everything. So that's reverence. And then reversion. Well, the church was given to us by Jesus Christ for two things. One, to adore God, reverence, and two, to save souls. So the word rever the word a reversion means a coming back to conversion, people that have left the church to come back. So it also includes conversion. So we do well to intercede for our fellow human beings to come into the church or to come back. Because it's through the church that people get to heaven. There's no other way. That's the way Jesus gave us. I hope that
2: helps. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people out there who are trying to be faithful and devoted and understand those graces come from the church are feeling a little bit powerless right now in our world. Things have changed so much, even in the last five years, and it's kind of unfathomable what we're dealing with. And yet, so... This is something people can do, because I think people are wondering, what can I do, right? And so how do people, if they want to become a part of this effort, what, where do they go?
1: Exactly. So to give you a little introduction to that, Venerable Leo de put an oil lamp, and he burned it in front of the Holy Face, and there were 6,000 miracles that happened, certified miracles, that doctors that couldn't be explained by physics. They were truly miracles. So that's what we can do, is we can follow his example and put an image of the Holy Face in our houses, just in case the churches close closed again, and mm-hmm. we can light a lamp there. And so on my website, www.martinians.org, martinian org, I show there how people can enroll in the arch of the Holy Face, and how people can erect a little shrine in their house with a very beautiful and warm glow of an oil lamp from olive oil, and putting an image of uh, our Lord Jesus is almost like having a a church. It's called a domestic church, a house church. Way back in the pagan times in in Rome, the, the pagans used to have little altars. Well, when Christianity came and they embraced Christianity, they... Were so devout that they taught the aristocrats and the, the the wealthy people of Rome about Christianity, and that's how all of Rome became Christian. Is because of the home altars. So we can do that again because it's in our human nature to worship God to give back to Him what He's given to us.
2: Mm. And we don't have to wait until the churches close, of course, because that's just a blessing to have that image. I, ha- I have a place in my home where I think it would be perfect. (laughs) So I'm going to definitely go to your website and check that out. And again, the book, The Secret of the Holy Face, The Devotion Destined to Save Society, also could be another way to enter into the spirit of this. But again, can you shout your website out one more time for people to go to because all the information will be there as well?
1: Sure. www.martinians.org, M-A-R-T-I-N ians.org, and the book is a summary. Taking a lot of the history from the past in the Holy Faith, and putting it all together into one book, so it's a comprehensive but a short about how one can engage in this battle, this mystical battle, this great battle against the enemies of God.
2: It's a, it's a bold claim, the devotion destined to save society, but I think we're looking for ways to help our Lord do that, do just that. And I love that you talked about how it doesn't have to be a, a lot of people to start this thing. It's God always focused on a small group and to do his will, uh, a small and eager, <laughs> eager to do his work group. And so wherever you're at, if you're just a small family and you want to start something like this, it's... A beautiful thing to to consider. So, Father Dan- Father Lawrence Daniel Carney, thank you so much for your time today. I hope that um, many are inspired by what you have shared, and uh, I I hope we can have you back on to talk about the work you do out on the streets because I think that's just such a beautiful ministry.
1: Sure, Roxanne, I got another book on the stories in the streets, and it's been a pleasure that you have allow me to be on the air with you. I really appreciate the blessing you gave me.
2: Absolutely, and and we'll have you back sometime, Father. You have a great day, and we'll be praying for each other.
1: Sounds good. All God bless you.
2: Thank you. You too. Up next, Christopher Dotson is going to join us to share an update on what's been going on in our local and federal legislature since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Stay tuned for more Real Presence Live.
0: Live, engaging, and local.